0: preaching through the book of Philippians on Sunday morning, but we're moving away from the book of Philippians this morning and this evening. A couple of reasons. Um, I, I first toyed with the idea uh, because um, Pastor Garrett uh, uh, was with us today, this morning and this evening, and wanted to bring uh, a couple of messages more pertinent to Maybe uh, what we're asking him to do, as well as pertinent for all of us. But I didn't like my motive in that, and so uh, I I opted out of that, still going in the same direction. But frankly, it's because um, Thursday I had an out of town family funeral, of which I officiated. Friday uh, I had a wedding rehearsal. Friday uh, evening, I had a rehearsal dinner. Most of the day, Saturday, I had a wedding and a reception. And then Kathy and I had a long standing uh, outing last evening. And so, um, because I wanted to be able to do Uh, Good service to the text in Philippians. I'm moving away from that today. Can you appreciate that at all? Amen. You okay with that? Uh, I trust that you are and we are in the book of Joshua. If you turn to the book of Joshua for a, a message titled Victorious Christian Living. Joshua is the record of Israel, moving out of the wilderness 40 years, they were in the wilderness, and then going into and possessing the promised land. In fact, when I was preaching through the book of Joshua uh, about 14 to 16 years ago, I don't think I brought a message uh, since I finished that, maybe some 13 or 14 years ago, I don't think I've preached in Joshua since then, so it's, it's high time we got back to it, but I remembered that... I shared with you that I believe that the thematic verse of the book of Joshua is chapter 24 and verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you, Joshua told the people to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the Jordan River, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In other words, he said, don't know about the rest of you, But we're going to experience victorious living as we leave the wilderness, which we should have done 40 years ago. And by the way, Joshua said he and Caleb voted yes to go into the land 40 years earlier. The other 10 voted no. They didn't go in. They wandered for 40 years. But it's high time to go into the land. Didn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter what's happening in the present. And it won't matter what is going to take place in the future. We will serve the Lord. Or you won't. Now, I like how that's divided. I like how he cuts right to the heart uh, uh, of the issue and says, are you going to or are you not? But just know, my family and I, we are going to serve the Lord. He wasn't going to shrink back. He wasn't going to shrink away. Even if everyone else did, that was the heart of Joshua. And so we look at chapter 1 this morning and this evening, uh, this morning for a bit more of a topical message Uh, in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, unto the great sea, that is the Mediterranean Sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your border. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I'll not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong, and of good courage." For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto thy fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper wherever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Three primary points about victorious Christian living that I'd like you to uh, wrestle with, and then wrap your arms around it, uh, and own it for yourself. And the first is victory comes by obeying the providential Lord, not according to your own whims, according to your own motions, your own desires, your own plans, but it comes through and only through obeying God in his providence. Lasting spiritual victory can only come to the believer as he or she trusts, obeys uh, God in his providence because he moves in mysterious ways. Remember, these folks, uh, two million or so, give or take, we're in the promi- uh, we're in the uh, in the wilderness for forty years, eating manna that fell from heaven, or sprung up, uh, or something along that line. Some miracle took place. And they didn't have much at all. They didn't have real weaponry. Uh, They didn't know the land particularly well. And yet they're going to leave the wilderness and go into the promised land and drive out the enemy. By the way, uh, the book of Joshua is not so much about defeating an enemy. It's much more about receiving the inheritance. Receiving the promise from God. Uh, Of course, defeating the enemy was part and parcel of that happening. And so they go into the promised land. But before they did they had a problem. They had an obstacle. What was that obstacle? The Jordan River. Two million of them. Babies, old people, carts, and everything. How are we, we are we going to build a bridge? No, no. Uh, just stand still, and just like what happened 40 years earlier with uh, the Red Sea, God just, folks, can, 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 you, can you imagine it? Can you imagine the Lord just blowing And the Red Sea standing on its side, and the land is dry, and they went right through. Well, 40 years later, he did something similar with the Jordan River. And so, in other words, in God's providence, he brought them into a difficulty. He brought them up against a difficulty, an impossibility, frankly. And yet, he said, in essence, just relax, trust me, obey me, and go over that Jordan River. So he opened up, and here they went. Now what did they do? The first thing that happened, roughly, is they come up to a big walled city called Jericho. We don't have, what do you call those things that throw big boulders? Catapults? Am I using the right word? Catapults? We don't have any of that. We don't have flaming arrows. We don't have swords to speak of, spears, or any such thing. How are we going to take Jericho. God, you told us to go in and possess the land. We're finally believing you. We're finally trusting and obeying you. Ah, my providence will take care of it. My moving in the course of that situation is more than adequate. Amen? And he's more than adequate for you in whatever your situation is today. If I'm going to have victory in my life spiritually, that is being able to walk in joy, being able to experience satisfaction in this life. It must come only through obeying him in his providence. So what did he do? He told them, get a load of this. A couple of million of them. I want you to march around, quietly march around the city. Just kind of go in procession around the city. I don't want you to do attack. I don't want you to do anything. Uh, uh, And then uh, the last time, I want you to to blow uh, some horns, and you'll see how I'm going to move. So God's providence is him moving in a situation, whether you see him or you don't. By the way, parenthetically, most of the time, you don't actually see him. Maybe on hindsight, you do. And isn't it amazing? Uh, The longer that you walk with the Lord the more you see the hand of God in everything. I can remember uh, back, uh, I, think, uh, I think it was in 19, maybe 88 or 89, um, when uh, I was the associate pastor here from 86 to 93, when I became senior pastor 30 years ago. And uh, it was decided on staff, we talked about it for some time, that we were going to have a children's church. And uh, I was going to be uh, the children's church pastor. Well, the last thing I want to do as a minister of adult education is be the children's church pastor. And I put the brakes on uh, and I dug my heels in, in in a respectful way as much as I reasonably could and, and, and talked about the wisdom of doing it some other way. But it was decided I was going to be the children's church pastor. Anybody here at, at Redbridge back in those days, back, it was the ADA? Oh, a number of you were, okay. So we launched it and I became the children's church pastor. And I was the children's church pastor for probably four or five years before I became, anybody here in Children's Church when I was the pastor of Children's Church? Betsy, you were in Children's Church, weren't you? She's not raising her hand. She's afraid I'll pick on her. <laughs> um, who, who all did? Who else? I can't see who that is. Oh, that's Jake. Okay. You were in Children's Church back in the other days? You probably got in trouble in Children's Church a time or two, didn't you? <laughs> My, uh, my firstborn daughter is the first one to ever be kicked out of children's church. That's another story. <laughs> so I was the children's church pastor. Last thing I want to do, I didn't sign on for this. Folks, I am telling you, with God as my witness, I learned, if I know anything about preaching at all, I learned to preach in children's church for those four or five years. And as a follower at that time, I'm share more about this this evening God allowed me to take on more and more leadership responsibility. And now here we are 30, 35 years later. God's providence. You can trust him to not mess up. Amen? You all know, 10 years ago, I started saying to you regularly when giving updates on the health of my late wife. And I said, God knows And I didn't ever mean that as a cop-out or getting God off the hook. I meant that as a, wow, I really believe he knows. And I am so comforted by that. So when Joshua and the people went up to Jericho, they just simply needed to be reminded, God knows about the walls. He knows those walls are there. He commissioned you to go in there and take the land. He is more than capable of dealing with the walls. So Joshua and the people experienced practical victory to the degree that they trusted and obeyed the providential Lord. They didn't always do that. There were times before that, 40 years earlier, where they obsessed about giants instead of obsessing about obeying God. I was alliterated if you didn't pick up on that. They obsessed over giants instead of obsessing about obeying God. And there wasn't victory. There was defeat. And there was desperate times for 40 years. When they obeyed, that spiritual principle of trusting and obeying the providential Lord brought victorious living and folks it will for us today whatever your situation that you are facing God has not changed from being all wise and all good amen he is all wise he knows of the walls of Jericho in your life he is all good if he wants them to remain for your good and his glory then they'll remain but if he will receive more glory Through you seeing those walls come down, then he'll do that. But either way, you want to remain in the center of his will. So trust in his providence. He's brought you to this place. He's brought you over the Jordan River. He's brought you up to Jericho if you're facing that situation, whatever it might be, relationally, uh, financially, uh, medically, whatever it might be. You can, you've trusted him with your eternal soul for heaven. You can certainly trust him with your cancer diagnosis, amen? Or you can't, or you won't. It's going to be one. Joshua said, you choose today. Are you going to trust and obey him? He said, I am. Victory comes by obeying the providential Lord, verses 1 and 2. And then we see in verses 3 and 4, victory comes by occupying the promised land. What did occupying the promised land mean for Israel? Uh, well, in a word, it meant receive the gift and enjoy the rest. Receive the gift and the benefits then of that gift, which was physical rest once they had entered in and they enjoyed You see, God had given the Palestinian covenant. That is, my people will have a land. And he laid it out as far back as Genesis chapter 15. And he said... If you will enter in, you'll enjoy the rest if you do receive the gift. Now, to be sure, receiving the gift meant driving out the enemy. That was part of God's plan. Because every day when they woke up and made a march to drive out the enemy, they were having to, in a fresh and a new way, trust him, trust him, trust him. And I know there are folks here, I know you, you've shared this with me, with issues that are heartbreaking, that are anxiety-producing, if you, in fact, focus on that giant. And I'm not suggesting you deny the existence of the giant. That, would, that'd be, that wouldn't be genuine. You don't say, oh, uh, uh, abracadabra, it's not there, it's not real, I'll pretend and it'll go away. No. No not rational that's not spiritual that's not faith you acknowledge the existence of the giant whatever that might be you acknowledge the existence of the walls of Jericho and you say I'm moving out with God as for me and my house we'll serve the Lord we're going to trust we're going to obey we're going to occupy the promised land that is live in the midst of the promises of God in fact it said in Genesis 30, uh, check that, Exodus 33 and verse 14. God told Moses, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Now, what significance is that to us? Well, the book of Joshua, if you will, is analogous to the Christian life. It's a parallel book. It's been suggested, and I agree, is in the uh, New Testament. It's the book of Ephesians. It's walking in victory in the midst of spiritual warfare, putting on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6. And Joshua said, that is what I'm going to do. It's not about dying and going to heaven because when we're in heaven, there's no practical working out our battles in heaven. That'll all be gone. So it is in the here and now. Occupying the land for us means experiencing practical victory in our spiritual lives even today. In other words, it's not being overwhelmed by the issues of the day. Now you say, preacher, that is so easy uh, to say. You don't know what I'm facing. No, I don't. But I've faced giants. And you all know that I have faced giants. And I am no more spiritually minded than are you. Now, no more biblically literate than you. I guess maybe my advantage is I am so simple and I am so glad that I am simple and shallow that I, I just default to... God, you know, and you are good and wise. Wow, am I thankful for that. I don't have to be wise. I don't have to be perfect because you are. Therefore, I'm giving you a bear hug, God, and I'm holding on. Amen? Isn't that what he wants? He doesn't want us to try to figure it out. He says, don't try to figure it out. People say to me regularly, say, how, what, how, what's going on in your walk with the Lord? Well, I'm trying. No, no, no. Stop trying. And start trusting. And so Joshua did just that. In fact, you're already at rest. Hebrews 4, 9 says there remains a rest to the people of God. A rest from what? Well, if you're a believer, the war with God is over. You're no longer an enemy. The, The war with being a slave to sin, Romans 6, Has been conquered. The fear of death has been erased, for I'm the resurrection and the life, though you die, yet shall you live. That's been erased. So, what's the problem? My grace is all sufficient in no matter what the circumstance, Hebrews 12. So, if, if you're a friend with God, if your sins are forgiven, if you're heaven bound, if He supplied you with all things which pertain to life and godliness, and nothing is too hard for the Lord, and God is all good and all wise, What's the problem? Well, likely it's because I think I can handle this. Or if I follow that path, I have to let him off the hook. I have to forgive her. I have to actually walk out a a life of obedience, trusting, and obeying. And the flesh, folks does not want that. And the devil, who has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, he doesn't want that either. So there's an adversary. The flesh, the world, and the devil. You know the world wants to cause you to spiritually sink. Hello? I've been walking with the Lord for 46 years, and I am amazed, embarrassed, and exasperated by how quickly the world will suck me in and lure me in, me me even seeing it happening. But it's enticing. Hey, folks, if the fruit in Genesis 3 didn't look good, it would not have been enticement, right? If the lure for the fish didn't seem like Exactly what that fish wanted then you'd never catch fish. Y'all following that? The world wants to drag you down to the sewer. The devil wants to destroy your life. You can have spiritual victory but you must move out of the wilderness as it were, if you're, li- if you're there and into the promised land. The battle rages every day. In fact, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 5, 3 to 5, gives us a picture of the battle. For though we walk in the flesh, we walk out this life in a physical life, we do not war after the flesh. We're not going after somebody to hurt that person physically. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly, but they're mighty through God. Two, to the point of pulling down strongholds, the walls of Jericho falling, as it were. Casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm better. My way's better. My way will satisfy. You can just do it one time. And the like. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Think of this. In the wilderness... The people complained. They walked by sight. They looked back to Egypt. Bondage. They were restless. But when obeying and trusting and moving out to occupy the promised land, when they did that, they were walking by faith. They were looking ahead. They were restful. And so, Obey the providential, the sovereign Lord. Occupy, receive what he has provided for you. And then thirdly, we see in verses 5 through 8, victory comes by owning the privileged life. Now, how does that happen? It only happens by faith. Everything, folks, everything God honoring in the life of a believer... has the ingredient of biblical faith in it. That begins with salvation. For by talked about this in my Sunday school class this morning, Ephesians, um, Ephesians 2.8. 2 8. 2, 8. Pretty sure 2.8. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that, the scripting it checked me on this. That, the antecedent to that is what? Faith. And the faith is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. That is how important faith is. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And he's a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. How do you overcome the world? 1 John 5, 4. Here's the victory. Here is how you own the privileged life. By walking it out in faith. Now, that begs the question to get practical. What is biblical faith? I alluded to being the children's church pastor uh, 30 years ago, and I was in that position for four or five years with the late, great Joanne Malloy. We, we shared that responsibility. And I was we were dealing with kindergartners through sixth graders. But the kindergarten level, what, six years old? Is that what a kindergartner is, I think? Six, seven, eight-year-olds? How, uh, as important as faith, is, biblical faith, how will they be able to understand it? So over the course of some time, I developed a definition. You've heard it before. I'll share it again. It is that critical to understand not that this definition is the best but the subject matter is and it's this if it's biblical faith it is the willingness that is I'm predisposed God I know you I love you I follow you I don't understand this whole thing of life but I am willing to honor you obey you trust you from the get go that's my disposition I want your will, and your glory in this situation. I want to own the privileged life of knowing you and walking with you. Therefore, there's the willingness. But it's not just any old willingness. It's the willingness to believe God, okay? Believe what about God? Whatever he has said, which is exactly what it says in Joshua 1. God, whatever you have said, we will do. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night to observe, to do according to what you have said. I have to know the word. And I have to understand it to the greatest degree I can. And it's the willingness to believe what the word of God says to the point of here I go. I'm going to walk it out. Stephen and Holly were just married. They've been married now. I I said to them, I pronounce you husband and wife 22 and a half hours ago. They've got a track record as husband and wife. Are there any other husbands and wives present today? Anyone else? It could be that in your experience, Elwood and Ruby just had 50 years this past Thursday. I asked them what they did special on, on their 50th anniversary. Ruby said, we're planning that. <laughs> said, you've had 50 years to plan it. <laughs> it could be that some of you married couples have had a wrinkle in the relationship a time or two, in the communication with feelings involved, with analysis too often involved, and hashing it over and rehashing it and the like. Maybe you've experienced a time or two that, it could be in theory, that Stephen and Holly will have one of those moments in the coming years and decades. If you walk by faith, and you encounter that giant in the land, that Jericho wall, what do you actually do? You say, God, I am willing to honor you. I want your best. I want to walk in the abundant life in Christ. There you go. Your word says, Husbands, Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Is that what the text says? You mean God is saying to a, a Christian husband to love his wife in selflessness because that's how Christ loved you? Is that the interpretation of Ephesians five twenty five? Can I get a witness? God, my heart is willing. I know what the text says. If I'm going to enter in or stay in, I now have to walk it out and actually do so, not gut it out, but saying, Lord, I love you and I'm trusting you and you have blessed me with her or whatever the dynamic is, whether it's a health issue or whether it's a financial, whatever it is, I know what your word says, here I go. Joshua said, at the point of the Jordan River I know what your command is I know what the promise is and I know what the blessing is so here I go can I say this come hell or high water if problems mount up and honoring him in faith might generate more difficulties (laughs) and in fact it did there were the Jericho folks First there was the Jordan River, and then there was Jericho, uh, and and then there was the Amalekites, and, and then there was the Philistines, and then there were Hittites and all of them. By the way, those ethnicities can't be found on earth, but there's one that still can be found, the Israelites. God said, this is unconditional. I'm calling a people to my name. I'm giving them a land of their own. It's the willingness of God, I believe God, to the point of obeying. So if you've been positionally victorious in Christ, that is, you know him, you can't be more privileged than that eternally, but he wants us to walk that out in the present time, in the here and now, by entering into a life of trusting God and obeying him. Coming right now is our chairman of Deacons, Brother Chuck Wainscott, to put an exclamation point on this message of victorious Christian.